The Secret World Chronicle, a podcast novel series written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jaguer. Presenting Season 8, Collision. Rubicon, Part 1, written by Mercedes Lackey and Cody Martin. The hood was quiet this afternoon. Well, it was cold, overcast, and what with the wind, pretty nasty out. Not the time for kids to be out on the homemade playground. John liked this sort of weather, though. It was a welcome change from the usual boiling heat that defined the South, and Atlanta in particular. He had finished walking his beat for the day, and with nothing else immediate on the duty roster, he had chosen to devote some of his free time to doing handyman work around the hood. He desperately needed some rack time, but the commissar worked them all like nickel-turny running dogs, and he was no exception, so rather than having her find something for him to do, he'd opted for outside work. It beat the hell out of scrubbing the floor, or worse, babysitting the bear. Despite John's weariness, keeping busy had the added benefit of keeping his mind off of things. For the most part. John Murdoch certainly had a lot on his mind. The war, his new living situation, his past. More than any of that, however, today he was thinking most about Sarah and the music he had been hearing. What both of them meant to him, what he should do about it. Every time he seemed to find an inroad with either of them, the path dwindled away before him, leaving him lost again. Sarah was very, very good at evading him, especially since their last conversation. And chasing the music was like chasing a phantom. The more he chased after it, the faster it got away from him. Frustrating for a man that was used to solving problems, no matter what. So, unable to make headway with that situation, today he chose to solve different kinds of problems. Nice, easy, physical problems, hoping that working on them would quiet the chatter in the back of his mind. Jonas, the elderly black shopkeeper that served as John's interface with the community, had met him at the playground after his patrol was over. Got one of the kids watching shop for me, the old man said with a snort. Kid needed something to keep his dumb ass out of trouble. Today's project was taking some of the scrap metal that residents of the hood had been salvaging and making a new set of monkey bars for the playground, bigger, more elaborate, and better suited to the older kids. John and Jonas had selected the most suitable pieces of pipe, then designed the equipment. John would take care of welding everything together, since welding rigs were scarce in this part of town and prohibitively expensive on top of that. And that didn't even add in the cost for the generator to run an electric welder, or the gas bottles for a gas welder. After that, Jonas would get some of the youths from the hood watch to sand everything down so it was safe, and have the younger kids paint it however they liked. It'd be something everyone could be proud of and enjoy that way. Little things like this served to bring the community that much closer together. John was holding a pair of borrowed welder's goggles to his eyes. Using a thin, concentrated flame from his right hand, he was putting the finishing touches on the six-post frame that would make up the body of the monkey bars, when all the calm channels in his head seemed to erupt at once. First, a burst of confused words, none of them making sense. Then Gamayun. But I'm getting ping from headset. Vix interrupted. 
That's the headset ping. There's no life signs ping. And she's dropped right off the magical radar. The hell just happened? That was Echo CEO Bella Parker. I, I just got... Like a board upside my head and Sarah. Only then she just vanished out of my skull. I don't know. That's what I'm trying to find out, Vic shrilled. She's gone, Bells. I haven't got her live anywhere. John shut off his fires, causing Jonas to cock his head to the side. Hey, uh, this is Murdoch. What the hell's going on? One person tell me, not all of you at once. John felt a block of ice slam into his gut. He didn't like the sound of the calm chatter, nor the panicked tones he was hearing from people he depended on to keep their cool when all hell was breaking loose. This had to be bad for any of them to sound like that. Gamayun, take him, Vic snapped. I'm busy here. The voice of Gamayun took over as the others snapped off their links to him, for now at least. Comrade Seraphim was to being sent by Commissar to Express X Depot for courier duty, the Russian told him, her voice strained. She did not check in when arrived. I am having ping to headset there now, but Comrade Dittrich says are no life signs and that she cannot detect Comrade Seraphim by nickel-turning magics either. Commissar Bella is to being say she has big empathic strike, which is somehow linked to Comrade Seraphim. E Echo... Corby is on way. There was a long pause. Echo Corby is to being on scene this moment following locator. He is finding headset camera and life sign relay all in pile. Nothing else. So there's no body. She's not dead. I'm on my way. John turned to Jonas. Emergency, man. I gotta go. It's Sarah. Jonas slapped him upside the head. Well, then get the hell on instead of just jawing at me, you damn fool. John didn't need any more encouragement. He dropped the welder's goggles at his feet and took off running. Vix had already projected the path onto his HUD. John's enhancements had been keyed up from the moment he had left the hood playground. It took almost no effort to do so now, and he ran at incredible speeds, faster than any ordinary man and most metas could. When he skidded to a halt, sending up clouds of dust and bits of broken asphalt at the end of the path Vic had laid out for him on his HUD, Corby was already working the scene, bending over an area marked off by crime scene tape, and startled at his sudden arrival. God's balls, mate! You got here right quick. The winged meta held up bagged equipment. The Overwatch Mark I gear that John remembered Sarah always wearing. Something about Vix not being able to install the Mark II internals on her. Center magic haywire or some such. I got these. And I got this. He held up a smaller baggie that seemed to hold a bit of broken... something. Crystal? Glass? It was a barely translucent black-red. And this. This, at least, John recognized. A spent syringe. Corby seemed to be listening intently for a moment, probably to Vix. Just a sec. The Echo Meta pulled something out of his pocket and unfolded it. It was a piece of paper with some sort of complicated diagram on it. It seemed to have been painted there in copper ink. 
He put it down carefully on the asphalt, and a moment later there was a piff of displaced air, and Vix's little stone helper, Herb, appeared in the middle of it. Corby handed off the baggie with the syringe and the other with the bit of crystal in it. Herb took both and clutched them to his chest. There was another piff, and he was gone. John started scanning the entire area, looking for anything that might have been missed. Overwatch command, open Vix. Vix, I need everything you can tell me about what you just got sent. I don't know about the syringe yet. The rock is... it's anti-magic and anti-celestial. I'll know more when I can analyze it. So this was specifically tailored for Sarah. Someone who knows what she really is and was coming after her only. This wasn't a random hit. John's mind was racing with possibilities, scenarios, suspects. Who could do this? Why? Kriegers looking to pick them off one by one? Comrade Murdoch, answer. That was Untermensch on the CCCP frequency. Murdoch here, go ahead. Am finding slow drain from main petrol tank into sewer with sensor on it. Someone installed it since last time we inspected. Comrade Angel was sent to make pickup because there was no fuel for euros. A setup to give whoever did this the best chance to get Sarah out and alone. Snatch job. Someone's got her. There's no blood here, no body. They either wanted to disappear her, or whoever it is is taking her for something else. All of this is tailored for her. Am I off on this, Vic, Hunter? Ten for Johnny, Vic replied, her voice grim. Am seeing no other conclusion, Hunter agreed. Only other comrade being able to fly as commissar, and if it was commissar they wanted, they would most likely not have taken Seraphim on whim, nor would be using anti-magic device. Murdoch, the commissar snapped on the same frequency. You are to be reporting to HQ now. We are not needing to lose two workers in the same day. Let Comrade Witch do what is needed. CCCP must regroup and discover if this attack only on Comrade Sarah or on CCCP as a whole. Commissar, respectfully, I'm going to request to stay on the scene. Before Savior could answer, John snapped out an order of his own. Overwatch, command, close CCCP channel. He breathed heavily for a moment, composing himself. Corby had taken the cue and was busy on the perimeter. He knew he was probably going to get his ass kicked for disobeying the commissar like that, but he didn't care much at the moment. Vic, I imagine you just heard all of that. I'm not quitting this, okay? Very okay. I'm keeping Gamhyun from reopening your channel until I let her. Johnny, short of Bella... You're the one of us with the best chance of finding her. And I won't let Bella go hunting. I've got bulls sitting on her to make sure. That's about the size of it. I'll get her back, Vic. Count on it. What can you tell me from what Herb brought you? The crystal is something really, really old, which makes me figure they used all or part of some artifact someone dug up. Like I said, anti-magic and anti-celestial... The anti-magic part is pretty specific. Blocked the ability to be found by someone like me, and how the hell do they know about magic locators, and blocked her powers? That's why she dropped off my radar. Anti-celestial... 
not sure what that would do to her. She's not an angel anymore, but she's also not just a metahuman. And the syringe? I'm guessing something to incapacitate her. John wasn't accustomed to praying, but if there was anything out there, he was praying to them that it wasn't anything immediately lethal. Just got the mass spec readout from it. Matches propofol. That's a knockout elephant drug. Practically instantaneous. There was a pause, but with background whispers that suggested she wasn't done yet. Johnny? Find her. You've got to find her. You're her only hope. I'll find her, Vic. Or I'm going to die trying. Either way, I imagine that a lot of other folks are going to buy the farm on the way. Keep the commissar and Echo off of my back. I need all the help I can get, but I don't need anyone getting in my way. Whoever grabbed her did it with a purpose. I can't imagine that purpose is going to be very comfortable for her or have her long for this world. John was warring with a lot of emotions. Fear, hate, rage, vengeance, and the barest hope. He had to get Sarah back. Roger that. Leaving your channel closed to everyone but me. Another pause. Shit. What? He snapped. Vicky cussed in probably more languages than John could count. When she did it in English, it usually meant something bad. Eightball gives it 85% probability it's Verd. We got any leads about where he might be? I know he's gone to ground. In the wind. Bella had to plan to smoke him out, but it never went anywhere. Hell, he has more money than a lot of countries. He could be right under or on top of you, and we probably wouldn't know until it was too late. So that's a no. Gotta be him using his faction that he split off from Blacksnake. That's a lot of manpower, but still nothing concrete to go on. Look, I know you don't much like all that business that went on between you two before you woke up. And I know you don't like magic. But I was not saying you're her only hope lightly. You two are still connected, magically, spiritually. If you try, I am pretty sure you can sense that connection and follow it to her, and I am also pretty sure there is nothing that can block it, because it's not magic and it's not celestial. John waited a beat. This isn't any hoodoo bullshit or anything like that, right? Because there's something I've only told Sarah. I've been hearing music when I'm around her. Like, weird strains of stuff that I've never heard before. She said I had to listen to it. Does that track for you? You think it's that connection? If it's not, I don't know what else to suggest. Then that's what we're going with. As soon as John had finished the sentence, he was doubled over with the most incredible pain that he could ever remember feeling. It was from no cause he could fathom either. It was as if all of his senses were on fire. He could feel a distant despair, a longing for release, almost insurmountable anguish. And it wasn't his, but he owned it all the same. He struggled to breathe through the pain, falling to his knees and fighting to stand again. The edges of his vision flashed between darkness, flaring white, and deep red. Sarah's dying. 
He didn't know how he knew, but he was certain of it all the same. He felt hands on his shoulders, steadying him. He whirled around defensively, hands up and immediately sheathed in fire, until he saw it was Corby. Whoa, there. What's wrong, mate? The Echo Meta exclaimed. I've... I've got to go, right now. I I'm sorry, but I can feel her. She's in pain. God damn it, she's dying. John extinguished his fires with an effort. He felt himself retreat from the edge of panic, going cold, building his resolve. It was a practiced response, but one that took more will than ever. It's Sarah. She's still alive. I know it. Corby stepped back. Go, he said simply. Get her back, mate. John didn't waste any time. He ran. His enhancements keyed up already. He ran. He let the music guide him. It was fading in and out, and he stumbled and fell several times when jagged rays of pain lanced through his entire body. It felt like his core was being torn apart with rusty knives. He raced through the destruction corridors, breaching their barriers with a blast of fire when necessary, and crossing through the untouched neighborhoods and streets of Atlanta. He was almost a blur to anyone that happened to see him, weaving in and out of traffic, jumping over barriers, dodging pedestrians. He couldn't go fast enough. He knew he was losing her, losing Sarah. She was growing further and further away with each passing second. Then, as he tried to put on yet more speed, there came a whisper in his heart. Oh, my beloved. Beloved. Goodbye. John's entire being was on fire. Every fiber was alight, and how he screamed in that moment. He thought he was going to die. Instead, he ran harder and kicked off the ground with all the force he could muster. And then he was in the air. Initially, he panicked. He was thirty feet above the ground, flailing his arms and legs, and was going as fast as a sports car when he touched down on the asphalt, rolling into an abandoned car and crumpling its rear panel completely with the impact. It hurt like hell. And that didn't matter. He didn't stop. He was up again, running, running, faster than he ever had before. His uniform was torn, tattered from the impact, scraped away by the friction, and then he kicked off again, instinctively. And he was in the air. He looked back for half a second, seeing a plume of roaring flame coming from his lower legs, as if he was some sort of missile or rocket, and his feet and calves were the motor. Since his head was turned, he careened off the side of an abandoned tenement building, a bloom of glass and shards of cement trailing from where his shoulder struck the structure. More pain. Focus! Focus! Damn it! The wind was so intense he had to shut his eyes against it. Even opening them, a sliver resulted in his eyes watering and stinging more than he could bear. All the same, he followed the music, the call, the urgent need to find the source of it. Be just my luck if I splatter my brains against the side of a building or a plane. Johnny, the hell, do you have a jetpack? What the... Do you read? Vic! He called out unnecessarily against the wind. All of the Mark II Overwatch rigs had sub-vocal mics, more literal techno-wizardry from Vic. I'm going after her. But you're flying! Don't ask me how, goddammit! Focus! 
Okay, okay. Your flight path will intersect with a C-130 cargo plane. But it has the tail numbers of an L-1011 retired a month ago, and that ain't kosher. I'm betting that's your target. I don't care if it's a goddamn fighter jet. I can't stop, Vic. John didn't dare turn his head, even though he could feel the wind scoring his face with its ferocity. What is it over? Swamp all the way to Athens and the coast. Whatever happens, I'm getting her out. If I don't, you know what to do, right? No, but I'll think of something. John gritted his teeth, shouting against the wind. If I can't bring her out of where she is, you find some way to blow the fucking thing to kingdom come. I don't care how. I ain't leaving without her, so if I'm not leaving, I'm dead. Got it? If he was going to buy the farm on this, he sure as hell wanted whoever did it to catch a piece. Vicky's voice turned cold, purposeful. Reprogramming Echo Intercept Missile now. A pause. But damn it, Meathead, you better bring her back, or I'll find a way to resurrect you and kill you all over again. Her voice broke on the last word. John couldn't help but smile and try to laugh in the face of the wind. I know, comrade. Just make sure that no matter what happens, the bad guys don't come out ahead. I'll catch you on the other side. With Sarah. He felt a warmth wash over him that had nothing to do with his own fires. There. That's all the magical juju I've got to send you. Don't fucking waste it. John felt renewed. There was still the pain, underneath everything else, but he was able to put more of his energy into being fast, into finding Sarah. The music. The song. It was a dissonant choir that somehow harmonized, and the burden of the song was agony. There was a single female voice atop it all, crying out and yet fading at the same time. Longing for death, and yet longing for life. Willing to die, and yet crying out for... something. Something that was more precious than life itself. The closer he came to the blur that must be the airplane Vix had described to him, the louder, the more compelling the song became. It towered over him like a giant wave, and yet it hung there. It did not break. All of his being vibrated like a bell struck on the right note. It was powerful, horrible, wonderful, all-consuming. As suddenly as it had come upon him, it ended. As he crashed through the back of the plane, ripping off the cargo ramp under the tail with his hands and fire, the wave of music broke over the top of him and made him part of it. He saw Sarah, a light, flaming with glory and beauty and more song. And pain. So much pain. He landed in a crouch on the floor of the cargo section. A transparent man, a hologram, stared at him from less than a foot away. Just as he recognized the man from pictures and video as Dominic Verdigree, the image flickered out and was gone. And with a sort of double vision, he saw the Sarah in glory reaching out to him as if she was bestowing something upon him, and at the same time, he saw a crumpled, shattered, bloody thing in the forward part of the cargo hold, caught. Captured. Debased and broken. No, not broken, not yet. Curled in on itself, but still holding out against all. Then John saw the ugliest reality of it all. 
twelve men, armed and ready for him, weapons up. Behind all of them was People's Blade, cool and collected, sword still sheathed. She stood behind the chains and cage that Sarah was trapped in. Anyone that doesn't want to die bloody needs to get off of this plane. Right now, John growled. It didn't matter to him whether these mercs were bad men or guys just doing it for the money. At that moment, they were standing between him and Sarah, and that was all that mattered. If they didn't concede to his will, they didn't have a future. People's Blade sniffed, then motioned with her left hand. Kill him. We don't have the time to waste with such interference. You have been listening to Collision, Season 8 of the Secret World Chronicle podcast novel series. Season 8 is written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jaguer. Music is Exciting Trailer by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com. The Secret World Chronicle podcast is narrated and produced by Veronica Jaguer and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. The fourth book, Collision, is available in print and ebook in December 2014 from the amazing people at Bayon Books. For more information about the series or to listen to earlier seasons, check out www.secretworldchronicle.com. Want to chat with the authors and fellow SWC fans? Join the Secret World Chronicle group on Facebook. And as always, thank you for listening.